but it's one thing I love more than getting my pitch over the plate. And that is getting over this plate in Casa Ole. It's like a fiesta in Casa Ole. Casa Ole, fresh today, every day. You get a free child's play, we'll use ticket stuff from any Astros game. Casa Ole, fresh today, every day. Casa Ole, Ole! It's Lima time time. It is episode 30. Our first episode of the offseason, the Cubs have won the World Series. We now live in a world where that can happen. Uh, and and the, the GM meetings are gearing up. We've got qualifying offers going on. Hot stove stuff is happening. This is the worst intro maybe to, to a show ever. Uh, but uh, it's good to be back. We took a month off, and now we're back. Patrick, how are you feeling? I mean, I'm here. There's goat devils. Roaming the streets, it's Armageddon. The Cubs are champions. Yeah, yeah. So pretty, mu- pretty much, not very good. No, it's terrible. I, 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 I'm jealous of their success. I know it's been 108 years. So I'm jealous of their success, and and they can go to hell. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I thought I'd be happy for them. I'm not. I'm not. No. Uh, <laughs> let's say something nice about our friends at Bravado Spice. Do you do you have anything you'd like to say? Yeah, of course, Bravado Spice remains the best hot sauce that I've ever had. And I don't like hot sauce, so I don't know if that's good or bad on their part. But the fact that I eat it means that I like it. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Guys, Bravado Spice is doing a bunch of cool stuff around town. Um, local restaurants, pop-ups, all sorts of different hot sauce and whatnot. So go to bravadospiceco.com or their Twitter at bravadospice see where they're at. Um, they're working on a cooking show, which I have bullied them into letting me be on the pilot. Sweet. So I can ruin whatever they're making. Um, but yeah, so check out all their stuff, eat their sauces. They're in the grocery store. If you even go to there, you probably don't, but, uh, yeah, that's it. We like them. Oh, James Nelson, please send us our bag of money. I'm going to keep asking until I get that bag of money. Yeah. We're still waiting on bags of money. Um, that's it. Bravado spice. So uh, we're very excited about tonight's episode. First and foremost, because we it's it's been a while since we've since we've had a show. Uh, but second, because of our guest, and and he is like like not just for Astros fans, but like across baseball, is, is universally known and beloved uh, thanks to his Up and In podcast with with Jason Parks, who we'll ask about here here in just a few minutes. But it is our pleasure uh, to bring to you tonight. Astros fans, the uh, the the Astros director of pro scouting, he is Kevin Goldstein. How are you doing, Kevin? Uh, what's this about bags of money? We, we've been we have a sponsor that doesn't that doesn't pay us. So, oh Yet. okay, yeah, I know. Yeah, like. yeah, okay. And we want so we're them. just yeah they're threats. We're just threatening them, and we've decided to take it to the airwaves. So that's what it's about. If you'd like in on it. We'd be glad to just loop you in, and we'll, that'll make the threat a little bit uh, more substantial. Yeah, that's, that's what 2016 is about. That's right. That's right. So, so my, I guess my first question is: is uh, since you've you've gone from from writing about baseball and having a podcast to uh, being sort of a senior member of of a, of a major league front office, uh, why why are Pat and I not more successful? <laughs> I mean, I think that's kind of obvious. But for you guys are not successful. Is that is that true? I was told I was coming on a big time show. It, oh, it's a big time show. 
Yes, even you're successful. How do you how do you judge success? Are you happy? I judge success by bags of money. Um, yeah, the bags of money thing. Yeah. We need to circle back to that bags of money. Yeah. We're all we're all screwed. <laughs> so I guess I guess uh, just sort of selfishly, like have and and just for for clarification, because I I feel like there's sort of a, a misconception about about how because you you used to be very active on Twitter, uh, and and now you you are not so much active on Twitter. Um, do, does anyone in the front office like do y- do y'all read any? I'm not just like trying to say my blog, but do y'all read any blogs? Is it is it useful at at all, or is it just sort of we're starting from different points of a conversation? Um, I, I mean, we are starting from different points of the conversation, but that doesn't mean we don't read them. But yeah, I mean, absolutely, those things get read, and um, at times, articles from from you know your blog or, or crawfish boxes or or some is not necessarily after specific something is. You know, at BP or FanGraphs or even some bigger like ESPN um, gets get sent around. We have a daily clips thing that we all get get sent around that everybody gets to read with things that were written about the Astros in the last twenty four hours, and um, it's not ignored. But uh, you know, it's 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 you know, there are always things that you know you're anyone's going to write. And if if you are in my position, you're going to read and go, boy, there's there's about five things that they got wrong just because <laughs> they don't know. Yeah, right, and 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 that's. And that's just how it is. Um, and now I think you guys do a good job. Yes, absolutely. Your stuff gets read. I know other. I'm not the. I know I'm not the only member of the baseball operations staff who follows you on Twitter. That's um, awesome. So yeah, absolutely. That's a good little ego boost. I appreciate it. Um, and of course, everyone knows Pat from from his comedy stuff. So so that that just goes without saying, right, Pat? Yeah, you will unfollow me pretty soon. Just letting you know that now. <laughs> So, uh, what what would you say is the most frustrating aspect? I've got two questions that that sort of deal with kind of what your like what's your what's your day like? But but I guess what's the most frustrating aspect of your of your job? Um, I, boy, I, I don't have a good answer. Like, I'm going to give you like a really crappy answer, and I'm going to I'll, I'll wear it. Um, I have a job in baseball. I get paid to watch baseball, travel to go see baseball. Uh, and give my opinions about baseball. Uh, I'm not going to complain about anything. That's a good point. Just not going to do it. I, you know, I, yeah. It, it, it's every job has its little things that might bug you here and there. I, no, not going to do it. Not going to cut up in that. I'm. I'm. Uh, I know how good I have it. That's a, that's a very that's a very good response. That's, didn't that's didn't take the bait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. One of <clears throat> one of my goals, and, and Patrick and I were talking about this. One of my goals is to is to for this like a link to the show to get put like get passed around on like Ken Rosenthal or FanGraphs or whatever. Like Kevin Goldstein was on this weird podcast and he said dot dot dot. So we're gonna ask you some like really specific questions about about various things. And and <clears throat> what I guess what my goal is is that is for you to is to ask a question that you cannot answer and then you explain why you can't answer it because that might be more interesting than. The actual, uh, yeah, that you know, I, I guarantee it's probably not going to be that hard to do. Oh. <laughs> um, it won't. It won't. What's sort of so? So the World Series is over, um, yeah. And 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 there's there's free agency coming up. The qualifying offers uh, got you know in the Astros case did not get extended today. So so what's what's to what's a, a normal day in November like like for you? Um, I mean, normal days are, are, are weird things. I don't necessarily think they exist. Um, 
but we've been doing a lot. I mean, our off season started, you know, really kind of when we were no longer eligible to make the playoffs. You know, we didn't wait for the Cubs to win the World Series. We've been going at off season planning and and other things since uh, you know the first week in October. But you know, two weeks ago, uh, I was in Houston with with my entire staff, the entire pro scouting staff. So that's ten people uh, in a big conference room uh, with all the pro scouts. Uh, with some other people from baseball operations, with some other people from the analytics group, uh, and with with Jeff, my boss, Jeff Luno, the GM, uh, going over uh, free agents and trade targets, um, and going over their performances and putting video up on the screen and kind of talking through baseball players for two days, and that's a good time. Uh, and then I came home for a few days and uh, kind of did my it was you know was working on research on on. Uh, not only big league free agents, but we're also looking at minor league free agents, guys who need to, to fill some spots in our minor league organization, and uh, that happens as well. It's not nearly as sexy. It's not necessarily something that's covered on MLB trade rumors or gets a lot of attention, but you still got to do it. Um, and, and you can find players there who are going to do something in the big leagues for you next year. Um, from there, I went to Arizona. I just got back yesterday. was uh, checking out our players in the fall league and you know, meet with some of our coaches out there and all of our pitching staff was out there and uh, did the stars game and then saw some of all the top prospects flew back home and home for a little while. And next week I'll be back in Houston for, for some more uh, meetings on some more, uh, some more planning stuff for the off season as far as roster construction and then 40 man rosters and things like that. So I, one of the things I really like about this job is like people go, what's a typical day for you? And I don't really have a typical day. It's very kind of calendar dependent what's going on. Um, you know, during the season from, from April to October, it's very much kind of just managing a process of all of our scouts, uh, seeing players, getting their reports in and staying on top of it and making sure we're seeing the right players and we have opinions about the right players and, uh, you know, dealing with our analytics group led by Mike Fast and then and dealing with people with, you know, other aspects of baseball operations, mostly with Brandon Taubman, um, who's our director of baseball operations and kind of being there when needed to give my opinion on something, basically. Uh, but once the offseason starts, really, this is my busiest time from uh, the end of the season to kind of the end of the winter meetings. How, how often do you or one of the scouts or one of the scouts with each other absolutely disagree on a player? Where it's just like, no, this, yeah, yeah so it's a common thing. Like, yeah. like oh, no, absolutely. And, no, and, and, and I try to, um, I try to encourage, um, not, I don't encourage disagreement, but I encourage not shying away from disagreement. Um, you know, we definitely had players uh, went up on the screen in the room and, you know, one scout said, I love this guy. I'm all in on this guy. This is the kind of guy we should go after. I think this guy would make a huge difference for us. And next thing you know, you have a nervous guy going, I hate this guy. I don't think we should give him a time. Um, and, and we bash it out and we talk about things and see who else saw him and other opinions and, uh, you know, what, what some of our analytic tools say about him. And uh, you, you talk it through. And, and I think, you know, one thing that, that we try to encourage here is everybody be open with their opinions and feel comfortable with their opinions, even if they're not going to be a popular one. Um, but also, you know, even if something is done that is outside their opinion, which happens to everybody in a front office, um, just to at least to feel, not only feel, but to genuinely be, have been listened to it and have their opinions considered. Yeah, so it sounds like real baseball is exactly like the smash movie Trouble with the Curve. <laughs> <laughs> More than you'll ever know. I mean, Justin, Justin Timberlake was at the Arizona Fall League games. Uh, Amy Adams was there as the old scout using his vision. There, it's all it's all right there for you. Makes sense to me. I, I I'm I for one am. am it's the worst movie, by the way. That's a oh, movie. it's the, oh, that's why I said smash. Oh awful. But I like the disagreeing and the I like the behind the scenes. I don't care if it's bad baseball. It's just something that as a baseball fan, 
you like you like that. Even that bad uh, Kevin Costner movie where he's the GM of the Browns. Like just behind the scenes stuff. Even if it's fake, it's just cool. That's yeah. It's it, it's funny. I, I remember taking um, Margaret, my my partner, for the last I don't know eighteen years to see Moneyball. Um, and yeah, it was all right. And and I think the problem was it was is you know she she enjoyed the film. And I think just like if you if you do this, you end up just kind of picking something that apart. Yeah, it's not that's not really how this happens. It's not really what that's like. Um, and and obviously that's not their goal is to tell you what's like. Their goal is to entertain you, and and you need to kind of back up you know back up a second. Yeah, it, the movie did that very well. I actually, I, I had a similar feeling watching the girl with the dragon tattoo, so so I can I can relate. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Um. So, in sort of re- revisiting what happened in 2016, for a, for a lot of us Astros fans, this was the first year that we'd had any sort of, like 2015, and we've we've talked about this on the on the show numerous times. 2015 sort of came out of nowhere, I think, for most Astros fans. Like, because there was the whole, like, they, the the Taylor Swift concert, you know, there was that one thing, and Deadspin picked it up where, where the, you know, the organization said that, you know, if the Astros make the playoffs, they're going to move this Taylor Swift concert, and everyone's like, ha, ha, ha. And then sort of by by May of 2015, that, that wasn't as funny anymore. Um, and so, you know, 2016 was the first kind of the first year that, that we went in as fans with, with really any sort of expectation. Um, so I guess my question is, like, in, in trying to rank scapegoats, like, who 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 can we blame? <laughs> oh, but, yeah. yeah. Watch me not name names. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of things that, that went right in 2016. And obviously, at the same time, you know, I don't think it lived up to anyone's expectations. I think we expected to be in the playoffs, and we weren't. And I mean, for a variety of reasons, be it performance or health issues, and, and things just kind of balled up in us. And we had a, uh, you know, you guys remember, it's kind of an April from hell, and, and things went really well from there, and we just kind of couldn't dig out of this hole. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's, I was, when I got this job, a friend of mine with another team explained to me, um, kind of the four quadrants, as he called it, and, and just picture like a simple X Y chart, and you know one one axis is expectations, and one axis is actuality. And um, you know what happened in 2015 is the funnest quadrant, where it's low expectations and you're really good. Yeah, that's a, that's the funnest thing you can do in the world. Um, low expectations, you don't play well. Well, that's what you were. No one expected you to. No, you're rebuilding, and that that's okay. You can live with that, and you know, no one likes losing. It's frustrating. I know, despite what some people like to write out there, we actually did not enjoy losing a lot of games. <laughs> before that, but um, yeah, you understood it at least. Um, but what happened last year, where you know you have high expectations and you don't meet them, that's the most frustrating year, um, and, and it was a frustrating season. Um, at the same time, you know, you do. Look, it sounds like a cliche, but you really do. You, you think about the you know some mistakes you learn from your mistakes. There's lots of positive things to dig on. We still have a, a really great young, talented core, and um, you know it's November seventh, and uh, you know, I'm excited about the moves that we can hopefully make to to improve the roster between now and opening day. And um, you know, it's not just some sort of. I'm not, I'm not just saying this to say it. I really think this is going to be a really good team entering the year and a team that's going to make the playoffs. That's encouraging. Yeah, that's that's great. And and you mentioned you mentioned health, and and there's sort of and obviously you know McCullers, you know his his health was a big deal. Uh, Keuchel getting shut down, um, or maybe not shut down, but 
but he he dealt with the the shoulder issue. Um, but but there was sort of, sort of as the season ended, kind of more and more trickled out. Where uh, Hinch mentioned that Correa was dealing with more than than he was comfortable anyone letting anyone know. It was can you can you talk a little bit about like was was Correa just banged up? Was there was it was it just sort of the the demands of a 162 game major league season that or, or was there was there anything more to that other than it, it's just a hard game to play on a daily basis? I, I think one of the things that that there's a few things I think I've learned with this job and and and, and or, or things that have made me see things in different light by just kind of being lucky enough to seeing it up close and personal. Uh, and one is just the physical, how physically taxing 162 games in six months is. Um, and that combines with uh, the games, the travel, which is just unbelievable. Um, the late nights, the, you know, uh, a game is three hours on television. Um, right. A game, a game is 10 hours at the stadium if you're a player. Yeah. And it, it's, it is a grind. It is a real grind. I'm not, you know, I know you always go play millions of dollars, play the favorite game. Yeah, it's, it, it, that's true. But that doesn't mean it's still not going to tax them physically. Um, once you get to September, uh, everyone's beat up. Like, you know, no one on that, everyone on that field is playing through something. Um, and, and so it's hard. It, it's, yeah, and everyone's playing through things. And, you know, it makes you appreciate, um, you know, guys like Correa and guys like Altuve, um, you think about George Springer, who, who, you know, answered the call every day, every game, yeah. um, you know, you, these guys who play 150 something games and the guys who beg to get back into the lineup, even though they're a little banged up and guys who are pitching through something, uh, or, or just playing through something. And, you know, every time they do a certain motion, you wince and you can see them wince too. Cause you know what the motion is. No one else sees it, but you see it. Um, it's rough. It's not an easy thing to do, um, and that, that's one thing that, that yeah, has definitely you know opened my eyes. Is just how really it, how hard it is if you're a position player to get into 150 games, so just to be available for 150 games. Yeah, I mean, you think you people talk about the rundown salesmen, yeah, and how like how dead they look, and they're just traveling, running around to you know two below Mississippi, and these guys are playing a professional sport pretty much every day for months. I mean, it's, it has to be, I don't think I could do that with rest. I mean, just travel by itself. So yeah, no, it's tough and it takes its toll and it's it's, it's, no doubt about it. And and then, you you know, they get taken care of as well as you can with the flights are charged and the hotels are nice, but it's, it's still, it is a grind. Yuck. What, what was the most encouraging, uh, aspect of the 2016 Astros, from from your perspective, um, I, I think we saw uh, some growth in players. I thought we saw Altuve kind of go from this, you know, kind of you know best you know, this great hitter and an eighty hitter, you know, this fantastic hitter to uh, a real kind of run creating threat, a guy who doesn't have you know we used the term I used, we used to use for a while. He's sneaky power, you know. Let's say a sneaky power. You get a fastball in on him and he turns on. Nothing could go. Um, to have the actual power, to being a, you know, a real threat to drive in runs and then not just be a guy who gets on base and slices singles all over, to become a guy who you know, wasn't just kind of driving balls into the gap, was driving balls over the fence. And so to see him grow into that, 
Um, you know, knowing how hard he works, it's not surprising, but that's still something that encourages. And just, you know, the second half additions, when you talk about what Alex Bregman did and, you know, he got off to that slow start. And I don't, I know for a fact nobody in the Astros organization was concerned one bit because we all had seen him come up and we all knew it was going to happen. And then it, everyone saw it happen um, where he turned into the player that everyone knew he was. Um, Yuli Gurriel coming. Um, you know, I think that was a signing that surprised a lot of people. Um, I was excited to be a part of that and to see him get to the big leagues and, and produce. Um, and to think about you know all these players being players who are returning to us, to see uh, you know a, a, what George Springer can do in a healthy season. Um, stayed healthy all year, played, in my opinion, a gold glove level of defense, um, is this incredible power speed threat, this dynamic thing at the top of the lineup. Uh, we saw Will Harris maintain his ability to be a late-inning reliever. Um, and overall, we had one of the best bullpens in baseball. Uh, we all built it together, gave A.J. a lot of options uh, to get the last 6, 9, 12, even sometimes 15 outs in a game. Um there's a lot of you know a lot of those players are coming back. So there are a lot of things to be encouraged by, and, and you know we sit back and there's this nice core. Uh, we had a good draft. We had players take you know steps forward in the system. You know everything from guys way down low like a teenage righty like Franklin Perez to uh, you know a guy like Teoscar Hernandez who actually ended up in the big leagues and, and did some fun stuff and hit some big home runs. And um, there's all sorts of things that that we can look on and be happy about and see as building blocks for the future. Yeah, I think that was something that we took as a positive note. We blamed the injury bug. At least I did. That was what that was my blame for the, for this year. But I think the fact that we got to see so many guys come up and get big league experience, I think that just adds to the depth of the the team going forward. It almost makes it tough to roster wise because you have so many guys that can contribute. Sure, it does make it tough, but it, it, I mean, I got to tell you, it's a nice problem to have as opposed to, you know, where we were maybe three or four years ago where we were trying to find pieces to have, you know, almost too many pieces to choose from at a time. I'll, I'll take that any day of the week as a problem. Amen. You mentioned Altuve, and, and one of the things that, that always seems to come up, and, and I'm guilty of bringing it up, is is what about, you know, an extension? Um, is Altuve going to be sort of the next or I guess sort of the first Astros lifer since Biggio and Bagwell. Uh, is there is there anything, and I know you know he, he now is represented by Scott Boris, is there anything, and, and this is probably one of those things you can't, you can't talk about, but is there any, <laughs> is, is there any talk about an, exten- an extension coming down the pike? Is, has that been brought up? Is that part of the thought process? Um, you know, that's one of those things where, yeah, I mean, A, I'm not going to talk about it, but B, um, <laughs> yes. You know, I'm, I'm the director of pro scouting, and you know when those things come up, you know, Jeff might ask me my opinion on the thing, and he might not. Um, I mean, that is the, an extension like that is is you know, or Jeff might ask me about it. Um, you know, five months uh, five months later, act on my opinion, or, or or care about my opinion, or even consider my opinion about it. Um, you know, that is a GM level thing, and I am not the GM of the Astros. I'm just the director of pro scouting. Um, that said, I mean, you say like. Oh, and then Scott Boris is agent. You know, that's that's. I don't think that's a big concern for Jeff. I don't think uh, you know we have. He's not the only Scott Boris client, right? Uh, in the Houston Astros, we've gotten um, contracts done with Scott Boris clients. I think Scott's actually uh, a guy we have a good relationship with. But you know, as far as Jose goes, um, yeah, I have no idea what the, what the plans are there. That's out of my wheelhouse, but uh, I'm sure I'm happy he's an Astro right now. Nice work, excellent dancing. Yeah, that was good. I, I appreciate it for one. <laughs> 
<laughs> I put my tap shoes on here. <laughs> um, it, was, it was beautiful. What, <laughs> who are you looking from? Who are you looking to make maybe the biggest jump going into the 2017 season? Um, as far as uh, prospects or, or, or big leaguers, it could go either way. You know, I, I think we we are all still kind of of intrigued at the thought of of a healthy season from Lance McCullers. Yeah. Um. You know, you guys have seen it when when he's on, uh, the stuff's absolutely electric. And unfortunately, we only got you know seventy something innings out of him in two thousand sixteen. Um, but a season where you get thirty one starts of that is something that that you know the thought of that really excites me and and what that could mean to us. And and I, and I think that's all it would take is for him to. Um, you know, get a little more luck on his side in terms of health and be able to make the those thirty thirty two starts for us to to become, you know, a real household name and a guy who would you know pitch in all star games and be on the league leaders and strikeouts and, and a guy people talk about as one of the, the more dominating uh, starters in baseball. His stuff's that impressive when you're dealing with, uh, you know, plus plus fastball and uh, just a power breaking ball that I think that that's as good as almost you know anyone in baseball really, and so. Uh, you know that's something that 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 always excites me as a guy who can who can step forward. I think it's gonna be interesting to see what Yuli does next year uh, as a guy who um, you know dealt with a lot off the field, if you will, um, and just kind of the 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 adjustment period, if you will, for a guy coming uh, you know from Cuba to the United States is something that uh, I think is more considerable than a lot of people uh, really appreciate and. So I think he's a guy who, you know, now that his comfort level is here, uh, he fit in exceptionally well with our clubhouse. Uh, I think we could see him take another step forward uh, as well. And on the minor league side, I think Franklin Perez is kind of my guy. Um, he was one of the best starters in the Midwest League last year at 18. Um, and it's just a, it's just everything's impressive. The size, the athleticism, the stuff. I think this guy could take a really big step forward next year. Is is there? I mean. Is there anything moving on the on the Lords Guriel front? Because it, it's sort of, I guess we as, as and again, so I'll qualify this as as fans, sort of looked at at one of the benefits of of signing Yulieski Guriel is is the the potential of of getting his brother as well. So it, was that part of the thought process, or or is that would that just be like an added bonus? No, yeah, I mean we we looked at and and worked out Yuli Guriel to. To, to look at and work out and sign, ultimately, Yuli Gurriel. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a brother who's a very talented baseball player who we have seen. Um, several scouts have seen him several times, including myself. Um, but as someone who's not currently played for the Astros, I'm not going to comment any further on him. Uh, he's a talented player uh, who's going to have a very good career. But, um, you know, that was not, you know, when we were talking about in the room about how we felt about Yuli as a player, and what we thought he could do as an Astro, um, and how much money we thought he should be paid, and and, and all that kind of stuff. And then Jeff was doing all the contract negotiations. Um, we were talking solely about Yuli Gurriel. Okay, it's, that ma- that makes sense. Hey, it's my dog. Um, <laughs> Mine's here sleeping, so you're set. So maybe mine barking can can wake yours up. Can um, wake them up. This is wake up all our dogs, and let's yeah. just have a party. <laughs> Um, what, what I wanted to ask, um, oh James, I'm sorry. No, 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 yeah, no you go I, ahead. I was just going to ask, and it might be pretty self-explanatory, but how do you guys say tier 
up the uh, the targets for the offseason? Do you, do you get in a room and say, all right, this is what we need? How do you kind of rank exactly what the team needs are? Or is that something that Jeff does and you guys just kind of follow in suit? Um, it's interesting. I mean, obviously we all give our input to Jeff, and uh, but at the same time, it's ultimately Jeff's. You know, if if um, you know if there's there's three guys out there, Larry, Moe, and Curly, uh, and every scout likes Curly, and all the uh, all the analytics love Curly, and Jeff says I like Moe, we're going to go for Moe. You right. know, I mean, Jeff's the GM of the team, and and that's the way it should be. And and um, but at the same time, like Jeff is a guy who likes opinions. He likes everyone's information. He wants to have as much uh, on his plate to consider as possible to help him make the best decision. So, um, you know, a lot of Jeff is considering the scouting opinion on players. Um, he's considering uh, the, all the directors' opinions on players. He's considering what uh, people like Mike Fast and and Brand Tobin might be telling him from an analytics venture, um, not just in performance, but maybe in some of the other more advanced stuff we're doing, um, you know, pitchers and hitters as well, um, considering he's going to consider our projections. We have our own internal projection system, um, as well as, you know, obviously at some point you also have to consider, it's, it's the reason why this, like, like kind of ranking a guy right now is a mistake. Um, you also have to obviously consider the price. Um, you know, you could have a guy as your, you know, quote unquote, number one guy, um, but if he says, "Hey, I'm only going to sign for seventeen billion dollars per month," um, you're you're out, and so you can't really look at it that way. It's kind of a combination of what you think that player is, and and, and as well as how much you're going to need to pay that player. And you're talking about these free agents, so it's it's a uh, you can't just rank them in a vacuum. You need to kind of combine all that information. That that makes sense. We try to make sense. <laughs> That's all you can do sometimes. <laughs> all we can do. <laughs> to shift gears a, a little bit, uh, how badly do you want the Cardinals to get absolutely crushed by Rob Manfred in whatever decision is coming down the pike? It's an ongoing investigation by Major League Baseball. I'm not going to comment any further. <laughs> that's the answer I wanted. That's that's where I really thought we'd make MLB trade rumors or fan graphs. That was the question I I really had high hopes for. Yeah, you had that ready. We should have. We were trying to witchcraft you, but it didn't quite work. Yeah, I had that one ready. That's been the, that's been the chamber for about five. You just days. have one piece of paper, and that's the only uh, thing written on it. Pretty, <laughs> yeah, it's actually like on my wall. <laughs> if you're reading this, then I'm already dead. Um, <laughs> so, were you? I, I guess just to, to to backtrack a little bit, were you surprised by the outcome of the World Series and? And or the playoffs. What was what was the what was the biggest surprise for you of of the postseason? And then what was what did you see come in? You know, three months ago. Yeah, boy, it's a fun question. Like, it's a weird situation, guys. Um, getting to the playoffs is, is is really really hard. I mean, that's the first thing I will say. And and every team who's in the playoffs is really really good. Um, and you know, between a, a, a one-game situation with the wild cards and um, the maximum size a series can be is seven games, uh, to act like there's any sort of overwhelming favorite, I, I think just shows an, you know a, a a profound misunderstanding of, of probabilities. 
Um, you know, nobody's an overwhelming favorite in any series, really. And so, you know, someone's got to pull out three short series victories, and it's really tough to do. Um, you know, but at the same time, the Cubs were the best team in baseball. Um, and they played like it, and they were the one that got to go all the way this time. So, like, it's it's weird. Like, I'm I'm not surprised the Cubs won. If you we were sitting here right now and the Orioles had won, I can't say I'd be horribly surprised either, because, um, you know, I don't like to say the playoffs are a crapshoot, but again, like the probabilities are really messed up. Like, no one is an overwhelming favorite. So, you know, the Orioles could have won, and. You know, one thing goes different in that wild card game, and then they get hot in another series, and they, they squeak out at NLCS, and they're in a World Series. And you know, we saw Cleveland up three one; they could have been up three one and closed it out. Who knows? So, um, I, I was I was wonderfully entertained by the playoffs. I thought it was a very I thought it was a really good playoffs overall. Like it was exciting. We had a lot of drama. We had a lot of really entertaining games. It's, it's funny, like even Game Seven. Um, of the World Series, someone said was that the greatest game ever. I said, I don't know. I think that was yeah. maybe been the most exciting game seven ever. Well, I don't know if it was the greatest. It was a sloppy game. It was a messy, messy game. It was the stakes. Um, I think it was. Yeah, but it was, it was super. Game. But it was super exciting and dramatic yeah. and all that stuff. And you know, every, all that it was great. And I was, you know, I still love baseball. I'm a baseball fan. I was entertained as hell. But um, yeah, so uh, you know, we we watched the playoffs. I think it's a little different. You know, I. It's I have friend. It's weird, you know. Why I have friends with all these teams. You know, I have friends who work for the Indians. I have friends who work for the Cubs. I have, you know, any of these teams. I have friends, and so it it, it gets a little more. We personal. get it. You're in baseball, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, I mean, it does get a little more personal at times. Like you can't just, <laughs> I'm just you can't just turn off the fandom part. But uh, yeah, I thought it was. A, I I thought we had a great postseason overall, and you know, it's fun to see uh, some of the ratings out there. I know people like talk about baseball is dead and. I don't know where that comes from. Um, you know, baseball is, is as popular as ever. It comes from football. Game. Football writers. Me. Football writers say that. Yeah. Hey, I, ha- I got one for you, Kevin. Do you ever see the division series going to seven games, kind of like the NBA did with the first round? Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 it's. Uh, I don't know if it's even been talked about. To be honest with you, I, I really just have no clue. Really, um, I, I feel like it would be pretty beneficial for everybody. And that five game is just kind of brutal. With Astros have been. It, yeah, no, it, the past anybody so that's kind of where it becomes a real crapshoot it is rough but at the same time i think i mean obviously we got super lucky um but we were still playing november games in chicago and cleveland that could have been it could have been a little scary we could have been playing that's a good snow. point um and so now you want to add two more days to it um so yeah i don't i, I honestly have no idea if that's ever been considered i understand where you're coming from but you know i think you can get into uh kind of a slippery slope if you will there where all of a sudden yeah, I would tell you right now, I think a nine-game series would be more telling than a seven-game series. Why they just play nine, um, you know, which they do in some other countries. And we can all, we can all play like that, and it, it, gets, a little, it gets a little weird. I think, all right, fair I, enough. I think it should just be a 162-game series, and whoever's standing at the end, you, there's no playoffs. It's just, it's like... The, oh, like English Premiership like the, football, like where Premier it's just League. best record wins. It's just, yeah, you know, in, the, in the Dominican Winter League, they play... The whole they're playing right now, and they'll play all the way through December. And then four teams will make the round robin, and they'll play eighteen games. That's, That's awesome. amazing. Yeah, against each other, it's like this. It's like a whole new series. Note that those four teams, the top two teams off those standings, playing a nine game for the title. Okay, see, that's awesome. That's pretty awesome. The, the DR knows how to do baseball. No, kidding. yeah, they do. So, um, 
I, I, I saw a story. John Hyman had a story today that uh, that, that Carlos Gomez is looking is looking for perhaps a five year deal. Is it safe to say that that he was not one of the Astros targets? <laughs> I'm not gonna laugh at that. <laughs> I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not going to say anyone's not target or not target at this point. Um, I will tell you that everyone who's a free agent we have looked at, that is, everyone who's a free agent has gotten consideration. Well, Every single free agent we have looked at, we have talked about, we have gone through, we have looked at video of, we have uh, analyzed stats of, uh, we have looked at scouting reports, we have looked at um, kind of more advanced uh, data collection on these players. Um, you know, we do our homework on every single one of them because – uh, you never know what's going to come up, and, and uh, there are all sorts of, of players who, uh, you know, you're surprised. Even even you know ones who may not be Astros right now, you're just surprised they've even come up in, in talks, be it a trade or a free agent situation. So, um, you know, we look at everybody. I'm not. No one gets ruled out. I've got. I've got. Do a, you, I've got oh, a, sorry, James. Go ahead. I've got a, a shattered phone that I can send you a picture of that you could add to your Carlos Gomez file if you wanted to. So if, I was just going to ask if you and your super villain baseball friends, you'll have like this crazy fantasy baseball league. No, no, I, it, it's uh, I know, tons of um, uh, play fantasy football. I right. think fantasy baseball is a very weird thing. Yeah, it is. I don't, I don't know, but like I don't know anyone in baseball who plays. Fan- I know some players who do, but I don't know any. Some I don't know any baseball operations people actually play. We're I played when I was baseball. yeah I played when I was young, but then it was like yeah. no, this is too much work. Like, we're playing it right now. And, yeah, you're and, playing and it much higher in much higher stakes. Big, big uh, stakes. Yeah, and I don't have yeah I don't have time for another team. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, this is this is this well. I was just thinking like you know with the the FanDuel and the football stuff, they have all these super analytics guys and these algorithms. And you would think that you know it could apply on the baseball side. If you have all these programs, you could pull out some sneaky guys and maybe yeah, in your league. You know, if you wanna, if you wanna find another twenty hours in a day, that'd be great. We'll, 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 we'll look it up. <laughs> now I don't, I don't think any of us have time for that. We're not, we're not even that bad, are we, James? No, ain't nobody got time for having that. a podcast as baseball nerd enough. We don't wanna. <laughs> You're telling. We don't want to overstep our boundaries. Yeah, I I took a three year hiatus from fantasy baseball and got back into it this this season. And and by the middle of April, it had regretted my decision. So, so I'm, I'm out. You didn't mention it once. I didn't even know that. And we had a show the entire season. Yeah, I because I deleted the the fantasy baseball app from my phone. You like, quit? By Jack. Oh, that's worse. No, no, no. Okay, I, we'll talk about this later. Yeah, no, it's no, it's. I didn't just hang my team out to drive, but I I took a a hands off approach. I was a laissez faire fantasy baseball owner. So, <laughs> um, one of the one of the most divisive players among fans seems to be Jason Castro. He's one of those guys that, that if you, if you like him a little bit, you absolutely love him. And if you don't like him, even a small amount, then, then he's the worst ever, which I guess that just, that sort of goes along with how Twitter works as well. But why do you, (laughs) why do you think, why is Castro such a divisive player? Um, I, I'm not Jason. I, I'm not going to talk about Jason Cash. Jason's a free agent. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, and, and, and we like we like a lot of what Jason did, and Jason had a lot of value to us. And then uh, I'll say no more. Uh, one week too late. We did <laughs> remember that Jason Castro guy in American Idol, though the the white guy with the dreads. Can we yep. talk about? We can talk about him. I he was not very good. Yeah, he wasn't. He was annoying. Suspect hair. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. you can't trust it. You can't trust those dreads. That's a no, that's a fact. Absolutely not. Oh, uh, I wouldn't sign him. 
And a white a white guy with dreads is it's no no it's, no that's the only kind that you can't trust right there yeah yeah there's a weird there's a there's a weird um, there's a weird appropriation going on there that I'm uncomfortable with <laughs> um, yeah I don't I I guess I'm with you on that yeah <laughs> uh, Patrick I've dominated this got got any more bad questions James uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I'm sure I do do you like tell you how much I make do you want me to break out a paycheck what do you want my social security number. <laughs> Any other uncomfortable questions? Uh, we can, yeah, we'll wait a little bit on that. We'll try to, okay, look, we'll, yeah, I'll, we'll soften you up a little bit and, sweet, and, then, okay. and then see if you just answer without, like, on autopilot or something. Um, <laughs> Patrick, you, you, the, I've dominated this, so so do you have anything? I've got I've got plenty of questions, but but I don't want to just control well, the whole we thing. We can, we can, to lighten it up, we can talk about, well, how much do you talk to Jason Parks? Um, have you talked to him since the, the World Series win? I, I, I've given Jason a hug since the World Series when I saw him uh, in Arizona while I was there last week. That's awesome, because like the Up and In podcast is 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 up there in baseball podcasting royalty. So mm-hmm. I like to think that people have forgotten about it. No, no. The second we announced that you were coming on, I got two or three DMs about just to ask for you to bring your mom on with you. <laughs> she's she's very famous. She should be. That's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. It's so it is not forgotten, and people were real excited when we uh, when you just said you'd come on. So we appreciate it for sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll let mom know she's missed. Yes. <laughs> do um, do minor league? How how much weight should be applied to to something like minor league stats, or what's the what's an appropriate way to value minor league stats? <laughs> <laughs> um, depends who you talk to. Uh, I think everybody has a different opinion on it. I think it very much goes. Um, I don't think it's a good blank answer to that. Basically, is I, I think you're talking about it's a very player to player thing. There are times where a player is a great year um, because they're kind of stuck at a level that they shouldn't have been at, and they should have been moved up, but they had a prospect at their position at the next level, and so they got kind of stuck there and they dominated somewhere they shouldn't have been. There are times where a player has a really bad season. But at the same time, uh, they were working on something. You know, it's a guy who, uh, I think of a guy where, you know, he had a great curveball and he could have shown up and dominated every hitter with the curveball. So he didn't let him throw the curveball. You know, he, had, he made him pitch with his other pitches and, and, and he was learning on that. And then all of a sudden his stats didn't look so good. You go, oh, this guy went backwards. No, he actually had a really good year. He was learning things. So I think, you know, every, almost every minor league stat line has some sort of, of, of context that's necessary. Um, and so you always have to consider that. Um, I think the, the one of the other really important things you always have to consider is is you know, beyond the the kind of back of the baseball card numbers that you see is also a player's age. Um, you know, uh, a guy hitting two seventy in low A, but he's seventeen years old. That can be enormously impressive actually because he's only 17 years old um in a league filled with mostly 20 to 23 year olds so um there, there's a lot that goes beyond just kind of a, a slash line if you will um uh, when you look at these players and, and look at their performance and then you know that's why the reason every team has scouts is to watch these players because um you know beyond what they're doing um you know what they're doing that we measure in the statistical line um we have to be able to kind of watch them play and discover uh, the how uh, and, and how they're doing it. Um, and, and that's going to, to be a real key to helping us you know, figure out which one of these players is going to 
make a difference in the big leagues where it actually counts. How surprising is it when, say, a guy like Alex Bregman, who everybody knows that he was eventually going to be a star. I mean, I guess you don't because it's a crapshoot, it's baseball. But when somebody has a, a meteoric rise like that, does it surprise you guys too? And it, when somebody forces their hand into the lineup, which is obviously ideal, uh, but how surprised were you guys when he just shot up through the system? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone would admit it was, you know, I think everyone would admit that they thought he was a star, and I think every, you know, most people would admit that it came faster than expected. Um, you know, in the spring of, of, of or last spring, how do you look at spring of this year? Spring of 2016. It'll sound like an idiot there. Um, you know, there was, I remember the discussions about um, where should Bregman start? Um, where should he begin the year? And it was, you know, Lancaster, or do we push him a little bit to Corpus? You know, he only, it is, I mean, that's, that's a tough assignment. You know, it's his first full year. Do you really want to put him in double A? Well, it's not like he killed it at Lancaster. He played well. We didn't dominate. So, you know, maybe we should send him back to Lancaster. Be safe. Put him in Lancaster. If he really gets going, then we'll push him to Corpus. And, well, no, I think he's ready for Corpus right now. It was, a, it was a, just this, this discussion. Um, and I think the thought was that he would, you know, probably either have a really good year at Corpus or, you know, get going at Corpus and then maybe spend the, you know, the second half at Fresno and in a perfect world, everything goes great. Maybe a September call up. Um, and you know, you guys saw what happened and, it, and we should have, we had warning signs. We had warning signs in February. I got to tell you, um, this is just a, this is a personal story. Um, you know, the first day of spring training, uh, like, like pitchers and catchers report day, it was, Right around Valentine's Day, um, I flew down to Kissimmee because we actually have these we have these player meetings where we kind of sit at a table and go through everybody in camp and who they are and what to expect. Um, and I walked in there and um, watched a bunch of pitchers throw bullpens because it's mostly just pitchers and catchers. And the meeting was until the afternoon. Um, and then back in one of the backfields, I could hear bats cracking, and I was tired of watching people play catch. I'm like, I can watch someone someone hit. Won't that be nice? And um, at one of our backfields was a group of guys who had shown up early, um, taking rounds of batting practice. Um, it was uh, Springer, Marwin was there, uh, Derek Fisher, John Kemmer, some other players, Bregman. And I had seen Bregman uh, with Quad Cities after we signed him. Also, had seen Bregman uh, twice for LSU uh, when we were scouting him. And so I, I certainly had history of the player. And this was like, this is the first, this is, we just opened the gates, basically. We, this is the first day of camp. And, and Alex Bregman started hitting balls further than I'd ever seen him hit balls. Wow. Um, and it was it was noticeable. And it's like, oh, well, that's that's interesting. Also, February 14 probably doesn't mean anything. So, well, whatever. Um, and then you just... Valentine's Day, Kevin. That means yeah, a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And then you saw what happened. And, and like, this, you know, this, this power came and... Um, it came with, with him making, um, you know, very good and very smart adjustments. A lot of them based on him swinging wood bats down. And, uh, you know, he's such a hard worker and he's such a good hitter, um, that, you know, if you're going to bet on someone to exceed your expectations, it might've been him, uh, but he still exceeded expectations. The day he uh, stole our hearts. Um, so spring training is going to be in a different location this, this year. And, and I, I always... For some reason, just like the magical name of, of whatever it's called, I can't ever remember what it's at. I just I refer to it as like the ballpark <laughs> of the seven beaches or something like from Frozen. Um, 
are you going to miss Kissimmee or are you looking, are you just ready? Are, are you ready to get to West Palm beach in a new shared facility? Um, both, both. Um, I mean, I, you know, I did four spring trainings in Kissimmee and, um, I mean, Kissimmee is Kissimmee and, and, and we can take a lot of shots at Kissimmee and some of them are deserved. Um, the facility was always good. The area was always what it was, which was this area on Disney and very, very touristy. And, um, you know, it took me four years to find, um, good restaurants that were not chain. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I did find, anyone wants to know what they are, let me know. I, I can tell you where the one, there's a really good Indian place. Nice. Um, and a great Mexican restaurant. Uh, like a really, really good Mexican restaurant where you are, you walk in and you are the gringo. Um, <laughs> and, and then really good food. So I found like the two good restaurants. And so like there's a comfort level there. I can, I can drive from the hotel to that facility with my eyes closed. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, as good as that facility was to us, it's, it's exciting going to um, kind of a, a new modern facility. It's exciting to be um, on a coast and in a place where we have you know this concentration of other teams in the area. We can we can play, and um, I'm really excited to see it. I've not seen it. Um, I've only seen you know drawings and then some photos of the construction. I haven't been there at all. Um, and so I'm I'm very excited about about heading out there this spring and, and seeing what that's like. And you know this is a you know a modern two team facility. It's the same architects that designed. I don't know how much spring training you guys get to, but these are, this is the same um, architect group that designed Salt River, um, which is you know just a fabulous place out there in Arizona. That you know, Arizona has nothing but these kind of very big, very nice um, two team facilities. You know this is not the same size of land that some of those are, but um, the drawings I saw are just great, and, and I can't wait to get there and and, and, and see what it's like. And, and I think it's part of, um, you know, our, our commitment to to you know, uh, you know excellence from top to bottom, and, and trying to bring uh, just a top flight facility to get the season going at. It's exciting. I'm gonna have to to make it down there this year. Check it yeah, out. Yeah, please do. Let me know if you do. I will. Uh, I'll get you on the field for batting practice from there. Yes, I will hit some home runs. I'm just kidding. I'm not. I'm just. That was a joke. No, I'm not um, kidding. You're not swinging a bat. No, this is no. This is this is this is this is where we get our sacks of money, Pat. We're gonna go and we're gonna storm the field and we're gonna hit 500 foot home runs. And this is where we get our sacks of money. I am a switch hitter, so I mean, people. I mean, you, you're gonna need them for the for the bail money when security takes you out of there. I already have the bail money ready. Don't worry. I'm a teacher. I don't, so I can't afford to get arrested. Um. The uh, so the moving down to sort of West Palm Beach. That's that's more like Jim Crane's like neck of the woods, right? I think he's a golf course around there. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, do you do you have interaction with him? Like, what is he, he's sort of this? Not he's not mysterious because you know he gets he he makes sure that you know whenever there's he's in the Chronicle fairly often, but. Sure. Uh, what's I mean? What's sort of the dynamic between that that you've observed between him and and Jeff Luno? Like, is is he? Is, I don't know what I'm asking. Is he? I'm not. I'm not like you'd ever put like the owner of the baseball team on. Yeah, no, for sure. He actually is like a super good dude. I, I'm 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 happy to talk about Jim. I liked him a lot. Um, I, Jim's great. Jim's uh, he's he's uh, <laughs> uh, 
he's he's very competitive, which is I think the thing I really like about him. I mean, he he wants to win and, and he takes this stuff seriously. And I mean, he is involved in, in, and he does like to be, you know, in July in the trade deadline and, and in December in the winter meetings. Um, he does want to know what's going on. He is asking questions. He does want to understand our thinking and, and, and why Jeff might be doing something. Um, and, and he always listens very well, and, and he asks all the right questions. He's actually a really smart baseball guy, and, um, which shouldn't surprise people. I mean, this guy, he played college baseball and, um, and is a, a, a huge fan of the game and had a real studier of the game. So he's actually fun to have around. He's, he's, he's smart. He's funny. He's, he's very good to the people who, who work for him. Um, top to bottom, and so I'm, I'm happy to say anything good about Jim. I've never, I, I know he's got a golf course there. I don't golf, um, but I guess he's like a scratch golfer or better. Of course, he is. Yeah, um, yeah. like like my very first spring training, um, he came. I don't know, have you have either of you ever been to? You, you guys ever to Kissimmee? I've been yes. to Kissimmee, but not during spring training. Okay, same. So he came and landed his helicopter on one of the backfields at like a press conference, and they took off and went to his golf course right north West Palm, where he golfed with um, Tiger Woods and President Obama. There you go, as you do. Yeah, as you do. Um, and so, yeah, you know, he's he's actually a super good guy. I, I had this job. I'll tell you one more funny story if I can. It's mildly funny. It's not that funny. Um, I had this job for like boy, five days maybe, um, and went to Houston. This is the end of the 2012 season. Um, it's late September, and uh, watching a game in Houston in Jeff Sweet, and uh, Jim Crane came in, and it was my first time meeting Jim. I did not meet him during my interview process. And so I meet Jim, and then he kind of sits down and says, well, tell me about yourself and tell me how you got this job. Yes. And yeah, yeah, I was like, man, man, five days is all I'm going to last. And, you know, I told him my story, and he, he actually, I, I think he really liked it. He was entertained by it. I think, um, you know, he is not a, uh, he's not a silver spooner. Um, he's a guy who, who made his cash, and, and, uh, and I think he relates to people very well because of it. Did you ever meet Drayton McLean? I did not, no. Pat, did you ever meet Drayton? What? That's my Drayton McLean That's a impression. good one. That's actually it's a really pretty good, good one. Huh? What? <laughs> I uh, I have one. No, Drayton, I no, I didn't. I have one Drayton McLean story, and he came to where he came to where I used to work, and uh, my boss was like, "Hey, you need to meet James. He's sort of our resident Astros fan." And uh, and this was like two thousand. This had to be like it's like two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and. Uh, and he's like, oh, James, nice to meet you. Are you going to support the Astros, you know, this season? I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I don't have a choice, so yeah, I will. <laughs> and he goes, uh, he goes, do you remember when we, when, when we opened the Astrodome? And, like, I'm 36. I was like, no, no, sir, my, my dad was seven uh, when the Astrodome <laughs> opened. I was like, do, do you mean Minute Maid Park? He's like, nope. And I was like, how terrible do I look right now? Like, do, do I really look like... I would I would be in my fifties. You were there for Mickey Mantle's home run, right? Right. <laughs> so that's my one Drayton. My, my when Drayton asked me if I remembered when the when I was uh, I would have been like twenty seven years old if I remembered when the Astrodome opened. That's my Drayton. Then he told you to try the Sheriff's Nachos. That's right. To prepare to be a champion. What have I done to be a champion today? 
that day. So, yeah. Uh, now he seems like, like, Jim Crane seems like a, <coughs> excuse me, seems like a good dude, so. Good dude, I no doubt about it. Well, I think the baseball, I, I remember when he bought the team, that was one of the things that I pinpointed. I was like, well, he played baseball. It's like, this has to be good for something. He lie. He loves to so just understand the game. Just to yeah, understand he, the game. Basically. And he understands the game very well and, and then just has a genuine passion for it, which I think is a, is a really nice thing. I like it. So uh, just sort of to close out here, um, U2's Pop is the greatest album of the 1990s, correct? <laughs> uh, no. He, U2 is, is one of those. It, among the most overrated bands in rock and roll history. Um, they Which really is the most overrated band. If you answer this correctly, we, we can run away together. It's tough. I mean, you got, I think there's so many. Um, there's one. There is one that I loathe, and well, everybody there's, loves them, there's and they're YouTube, terrible. There's U2. There's Pearl Jam. There's the Smashing Pumpkins. There's The Police. All these are highly overrated bands. I'm talking about the Doors. The Doors are trash. There's no bass player in the Doors. The Doors can l- walk out of one, in my opinion. <laughs> I, not a lot. Good. I, mean, sorry, I hate. Not, I hate them a lot. I went on a Twitter rant the other day. Not I, a lot. Great came out of the '60s. I just hate them. So I just wanted to see if, if somebody else hated it. That's all. I certainly don't own any Doors records or, or, or actively listen. That's good enough for me. Okay. The, this U two thing is really because this is two against one, and this is not. Like, it's not even two against trash. One. It's, it's just it's just it's it's absolute trash. It's horrible. It's trash. Bono is just this 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 overly uh, preachy, conceited, just just uh, self obsessed Persian puppet. glasses wearing. He, like he wears even, Persian he's, sunglasses. He's just not even a human. He's just it's just like such an act. There's it's such a show. It's such a like. There's no genuineness. There's no there. There. There's no person there. Everything's just a show. It's just ah. Uh, yeah, God. and they have a guitar. The Edge, cool name. Like that's. Yeah, I'm that, mad. Now, see, I'm getting mad talking about it. Yeah, I can put a fucking set of a flanger and make a noise like that on my guitar too. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was humbled. I was defend them, defend them, just defend them, James. Seriously, I was like I was, they were. I mean, I think it all like they, they were good for like a couple albums, um, uh, and then like I think like I think right around like that Red Rock show and Live Aid is where they decided they were bigger than a band, and that's when it all went to crap. Agreed. See now, okay, like. I don't know. I became a, a big U2 fan. You don't know because you like U2. <laughs> in high school, like, they, I don't know. I, I, I very you much. Just, I, how old are you now? I'm 36. What's the, you know, that, that's, that, that, here's, you shouldn't like the things you liked in high school. That's, well, that's true. Yeah. The, but there's, there's some nostalgia because, and it, it, and I might have told this story. I don't, maybe, maybe I didn't, but, but there was, I had a buddy that, his job in college was to buy tickets. He'd go down to the computer lab in our dorm like Saturday mornings and just buy tickets on Ticketmaster and sell them to a guy in Austin. And, and that's what he did like for his sort of running around money in college and Ticketmaster screwed up an order, uh, that was for U2 in, in Chicago. And he was a big U2 fan and he knew I was a big U2 and we were friends. We're both from Houston. And, um, anyway, they, they screwed up to where like the only way that, that, the tickets were would be valid as if as if someone picked them up at the United Center in Chicago. And so he was like, we looked and and it was the Tuesday after finals were over for that semester. And he's like, dude, let's let's take a road trip. And so where 
And wait, wait, so what year is this? This is 2000, this is May of 2001, 2000. Okay. That's 2000, yeah, it's 2000, May of 2000. So like, I mean, May of 2000. I, boy, I mean, May of 2000, I, I could have shown you a much better time in Chicago in May of 2000. Well, well hold on, because I'm sure that's I'm sure that's true. And, and I was only 20, so I don't know how good of a time I could have legally had. But Oh, uh, well, yeah, well, I could stick you. Okay. Uh, well, I'll, I'll remember that for, for future reference. But we, we well, go on this, like... You don't have to sneak you in now, idiot. You can just go. Well, Anyways, that's, go that's, ahead. Sorry. That's true. Not bad. The, I'm, uh, mad. I'm mad about you two. I reverted. This is your awesome did, story. Is this, did the Pixies open for them then? Was that the tour the Pixies opened for them? Probably. Uh, it was PJ Harvey. Oh, God. That's a, cool. That that's embarrassing. Like, it was, she's like, it was she's not, like 12 times. Like, they should open for her. Wow. <laughs> I mean, not even close. Like, they shouldn't even... Like they should, they should open on a. They should be like it should be like a festival where there's like they're on a little stage opening. They should be even be on the same stage <laughs> as PJ Harvey. I agree with that as well. Continuing with my story, we go and it's a great concert, and we get back to it's our. It's not a great concert because you too. It was it was wonderful, and it wasn't. It's a show. You got you sat sucker. How old are you? I'm 36. 20. Oh, oh, you were 20 at the time. At the time, I was 20. Yeah. Yeah, like what? What are you doing with your life at that point? <laughs> <laughs> this is going to driving driving across the country to U two concerts at twenty. I'm gonna yeah, really. I'm gonna finish this story, and it's and you're gonna and you're gonna agree. <laughs> not, if we, not if we don't bully you first. This, I'm, I've heard this. Wait, I'm there's, wait, there's something beyond the story other than the fact that it was a quote unquote great concert. No, 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 no. no there's more. There's way more to it. So we get back to the hotel, and and we're watching Sports Center, and Sammy Sosa <laughs> has hit that night. He hit his 399th career home run. And this was before, like, there were the questions about Sammy Sosa. If you're listening to this, if you're a listener of the podcast, please, like, do that thing that people do when they're jerks and, like, look it up on Baseball Reference and find out the date and see if it actually matches up. It's okay, a, go ahead. I want to say, nice. I'm going to say him. it's, I'm going to say it's May 25th, 2000. That's what, that's what I'm going to say. I'm doing that right now. Finish your story. <laughs> so we go and we have, we're college students. We have sort of a limited amount of money and we've been drinking Slim Fast Shakes. What college did you go to at this time? Uh, Abilene Christian University. And you drove up to Chicago? Yeah. Well, we stayed. We- you too? That's pretty rock and roll. I'll give you that. Yeah, but that's not for a U2 show. It's not. Well, no. Just the act of them driving, not the show. <sighs> and we made stops. At, like, we stopped in Nashville because my cousin lived in Nashville. And, and we stayed with him for a couple nights. And then we drove to Chicago. And I got a, a hotel. So we, we realized, like, the, okay, not only did he hit this home run and we have a chance to see the number 400, but they're playing against the Astros at Wrigley. So... We don't have much money, but we take what we have and, and we buy some tickets and we sit in the bleachers and we're wearing our Astro, Astro stuff. And this is where Jose Lima, like we yell at Jose Lima and, and Lima looks up at us and he says in, in, his, in, the, in the accent that only Jose Lima could have, like, <laughs> you're wearing Astro stuff in the bleachers at Wrigley Field, you're going to get your ass kicked. And we thought that was great. And, and so we realized like on the way back, like we've got like $30 to get back to Texas and in a, in a Honda Civic. So we went to, we went to a river, the riverboat casino in Joliet and, uh, sure. Harris, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we were there for 15 minutes and played blackjack and walked out with like 150 bucks and, nice. and, and we were there 15 minutes and we walked out and drove back to Texas. So we got to see you two. We and Sosa did hit the 400th career home run that night. The next night on May 17th. It was May 16th. It was May 16th. Uh, I was off. 
But Astros won both of those games. Yeah, Astros won. Nice. those home runs. Sosa hit his 400th career home run. Uh, nobody kicked our ass, and and we won some money gambling, which for a college student at a Christian university was just a thrill. <laughs> More than the thrill of being draped in an Ireland flag. <laughs> that was that was wonderful. I'll I'll never I I still haven't washed that Irish flag. Was that was that that was that the Zoo TV tour? What tour was that? This was the All That You Can't Leave Behind tour. This is the one with like. <laughs> could, you, could you have a more pretentious sure. the tour? All you can't leave behind. But I did see my first the first concert I ever went to was was U two at the Astrodome for uh, for that that uh, it so wasn't bad. Zoo TV it was the uh, the Pop Mart tour one of the big arch and the big. Uh. Yeah, this is yeah. a bad turn. And the Pixies might open. So, it was so good. This was just, just very informative. That's, that's a really good story. Other than the fact that you saw you went to U2, Yeah, if you went to just like saw Clapton or something, that would be pretty awful too. Uh, well, uh, come on. Do you know Clapton who? and Clapton? No, and Steve you're, Winwood. You're just, as, you're just as bad. No, Clapton and Steve Winwood is one of the best concerts I've ever been to because they played the, all the Blind Faith stuff. It was incredible. Uh-huh. Because you have no taste in music. That's fine. Boom. It's not so fun right. now, is it, Pat? <laughs> it, I will admit that it's not. It's not as fun, but <laughs> like, I will take my Clapton and win. I'll take Clapton and win one over you two any day of the week. Yeah, because I'm a guitar player and I like blues guitar. I don't like weird Irish guys with Persian glasses. The the it might get loud documentary really it, that cut me deep. I, I and my my interest in you two has faded, and I think it it's because of that. When I saw how awesome like Jack White. And do they still do they? What, does U two still make records? I know they have they done anything since the one that that was forced. Did they forced on. upon all of us on our iPhones? The... <laughs> no, no, that was the last one. I think. Yeah, because everybody got so mad that they made us have that album on our on our phones that it it ruined them. It's almost as bad as getting like a Clapton or Steve Winwood album. <laughs> hey, look. All right. What's your okay? Before we close it out, then. All right. So, what's your what's your number one band? I'm not saying Clapton and Winwood are number one, but what? What's your what's your band? What's your number one? I never what's, your, my, what's your drive to Chicago band? Well, I live in I lived in Chicago. So I didn't really. I would normally take the train to shows. Metaphorically, so from your, Abilene <laughs> Christian. <laughs> um, I mean, I grew up in the in the Chicago punk rock scene. Okay. Um, so. Bands like Naked Ray Gun and 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 Big Black and the Effigies and stuff. Um, so you were yeah, cultured I, to hate mainstream stuff, so that and, I, I, I and band, like bands that you know, like The Clash. Yeah, not bad. The Clash. I've heard, I've heard of them. Like the Clash, like the Pixies, like Pavement, like Wu Tang Clan, like Public Enemy. Okay, now we're talking. See, I'm a hip hop guy. And you like Clapton? Yeah, I like the blues, man. I'm a sad person. <laughs> Yeah, we've uh, yeah. my my daughter is four, um, and and she likes the blues. She, well, she likes the blues. <laughs> I've, I'm I'm not in my wife is not terribly happy with me because our uh, teeth brushing song is from Gravel Pit, uh, and and I basically while she brushes her teeth, I go back back and forth and forth back back and forth and forth, and she like dances around and and brushes her teeth, and my wife came in, and she's like, "What song is that?" I was like, "Um, Gravel Pit." She goes by. It's like Wu Wu Tang Clan, and wrong with, like, yeah, that's not. There's nothing. We had uh, last Thanksgiving. We did a Wu Tang Thanksgiving where the only thing that we played in the kitchen while cooking was Wu Tang. That's what I'm talking about. That's no, that's, that's wholesome. Absolutely. Cream, get the turkey. 
<laughs> Man. Well, now that we've both been bullied. Uh, yeah, now I feel How can I get bullied on Clapton and Winwood? I'm still upset about this, but it's okay. It's this dreadful stuff. Well, you're punk rock. You're punk rock, though. Like, I can't. Like, there's nothing I can do about that. Such drag. Uh, I guarantee that I have the public on my side. Don't worry. I'll win uh, this. That, uh, that, that, who cares? I mean, the Backstreet Boys have the public on their side. Ooh. That's not true. Sold more records than Eric Clapton. That might, that might that's also absolutely be that true. Might be There's true. no doubt that's true. And so by your little public on your side measurement, then the Backstreet Boys are Brendan Clapton. Shit. <laughs> All right. Hey, you Don't know who you Using your cheap analytics tools. That's right. That's right. Type Mike, in, ba- Mike Bass told you that Your one. algorithms and your math. Just well, owning me on my own show. Music's not, music's not listened to on a spreadsheet, Kevin. <laughs> but hey. really, if you think about it, the punk rock scene is kind of like minor league baseball. I'm curious. No, it's not. It's yeah. not at all. I just would see if anybody would take that. But I have no <laughs> idea what that means. I mean, baseball is the most punk rock of sports. <laughs> That's for sure. I'll go along with that. Because so. it's so weird. Smash Mouth opened for you two when I saw him on my first concert. Wow. Okay. Oh. All right. I wish you would have just cut it after oh. that, that weird silence a second ago. You should have just cut it. <laughs> uh, the 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 thing that really pissed me off about that was I was never. Uh, I just I feel like I need to defend my musical taste here. I was never a Smash Mouth fan, but uh, nobody was. <laughs> the show before the public was on their side. Um, the show before the Houston one was in San Antonio, and Rage Against the Machine opened for you two in San Antonio and left the tour. And Smash Mouth picked up with Houston, and I was so I mad. I can't. I can't. Yeah, that, I can't. That's tough to figure out. Which, <laughs> if I hate Rage Against the Machine more than you two. That's that's a tough one. I'm gonna have to think about that. What do you hate, Rage as, as well? I think that's one of the. I got the one of the most offensive bands in the history of music. Actually. You know they they actually put on a pretty good show. No, I saw them with Gangstar, and they yeah. were entertaining. I'm just saying, hold the phone, hold the phone, because I saw them at the summit. That's the show I was. Yeah, it's the show I'm talking about. I it was, was at, It was like 1999, it's around there, maybe 2000, my senior year. I, I was. I was there. It was. It, yeah, yeah, that was a, that was one of the best shows I've ever seen. I'll agree with that. Thank suckers. you. Thank you. All right, now we can team up again. Now, now, now we will rise. Yes. Okay, but, suckers. But, but you too, though. Okay. <laughs> well, agree to disagree with a question mark. I don't know. I mean, no, it's fine. It's fine. You guys can. It's okay to not have good taste in music. It really <laughs> is. You're not the only one. It's fine. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> well, this has been a delight. It has. You guys, we're going to go and you guys can go listen to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And okay, no. I'm going to go watch episode two of Westworld. So. Oh, dude. It, just keep watching. Okay, I will. We're, we, we, this is one of the things about working in baseball is you really, um, you cannot stay current with culture because work's going on. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we actually just watched like episode one last night. <laughs> no, it's, right be- it's better with shows like that. My buddy and I had an and not an argument, but a discussion about this with with binge watch culture. I feel like with well written and like subtle. Yeah, I see. I, I know where you're going. I think you're right. Nuance, like not binging and and thinking about what happened and kind of reflecting on it, makes the experience that much better. You yeah. watch them all in a row. You don't remember what the hell happened. 
So yeah. So we'll, enjoy we'll that, dude. I, I, I we will. Why? Well, hopefully we will. Maybe it's bad. I don't know. Well, yeah. With your taste in music, you might come back threatening. Now they might knows. put a, they might put a Steve Winwood song in there. <laughs> I'm gonna it'll, it'll help the soundtrack. I can tell you that much. He's a voice of an angel. <laughs> Effortless power. In that Dear game. Mr. I Fantasy th- is a good song. I don't understand how anybody can hate I that think, song. Like I can actually understand like people. I don't like. I don't like that. But like I understand how people like think you two is good. I understand it at least. But Steve Winwood, I'm just baffled on. You got me on this one. He's a talented musician. All right, I, I never I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna defend him because this is one of those things we can't. <laughs> he's not like my favorite. I'm, he's just. Uh, he's very good. Very good live as well. Still has the voice. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna send you a playlist. I'm kidding. I'm gonna harass you until you admit you're wrong. I'm not as a friend on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm. I won't do that. I'm not one of those people. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on. For coming on, this has been fun, man. Yeah. No, my pleasure. Thanks for doing this, and I. I, I thanks for. Uh, um, you know, doing what you guys do, and I think you guys provide a, a good service to Astros fans. And I think, um, I think it's nice. I think, it, I think Astros Twitter that that uh, you know, especially those savages, James, especially James, is kind of the the the, the big leader of. I, I think it's, a, it's I claim it makes, no responsibility for Astros. It, 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 no, no, they, no they I make the season entertaining. Me. I don't. I, I yell at them. I don't. I don't like them. They're volatile. That's. What, I mean, you know, they hate me. There's plenty of them I did that I don't follow, but I, I follow the, the fun ones. Aw, sweet. Smart. Thanks. Very smart. But Astro's Twitter is a dumpster fire. Twitter is a dumpster fire. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, I think, I think the, the people that listen to this tonight and tomorrow, uh, it'll be the most important decision that they make uh, over the course of November 7th and November 8th. So we... <laughs> Very much appreciate your time. I'm going to go find my old ticket stuff from the United Center and cry into it tonight. Okay, yeah, I'm looking forward to like, but you should make a vine before it goes away. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We good really stuff. appreciate thanks, it. Man. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, Kevin. Have a good night, man. But it's one thing I love more than getting my pitch over the plate. And that is getting over this plate in Casa Ole. Like a fiesta in Casa Ole. Olé! Casa Ole, fresh today, every day. Olé! Get a free child's play, we use ticket stuff from any Astros game. Casa Ole. <laughs>